In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for being here, really, truly, substantially present. Body, blood, heart, and soul, and divinity. Jesus, we believe that your heart beats for ours. We believe that you see us all here today and that you love us all, that you gaze upon us with great kindness, with great devotion, with great affection. Jesus, help us to connect with your gaze. We know that takes faith, Lord, so we we ask you, please increase our faith. Help our unbelief. Mother Mary, we know that you are here with us in a special way. And we ask you to intercede for us, to wrap us in your mantle. Help us to feel your motherly care. And we crown you the queen of our retreat here this morning as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everyone got a chair? We might have to get up and let somebody in there. We've got some empty seats right in the front, as usual. Like any good Catholic event. These seats aren't more expensive, you know. <laughs> Everyone got a chair? We've got, you good? There's two open seats there, too. You can slide in up here. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 1 to get us started. Mark 1, verses 29 and following. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning, See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. 
Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So today's title for this meditation, for this morning, is the ABCs of healing. So most of you know that I'm very fond of this topic. And it's not something that is uh, a novelty, as you read here in the gospel. Jesus said, that is why I have come. That is why I have come, to preach, to heal, to deliver, to redeem. So as Dr. Mary Healy from Detroit likes to point out, when it says in the New Testament that Jesus saves, well, you could also use interchangeably with save the word heal or to liberate, to deliver. So this, this connotation of healing is really all throughout the Gospels and really does, in a sense, summarize Christ's mission to save, to save us all. So we need different kinds of healing. There's, of course, physical healing. This leper today, Simon's mother-in-law had a fever she needed healing from. So there's all kinds of healing that we recognize. There's also spiritual healing, the forgiveness of our sins. We all need that. We can't forget that. That's the one thing that that plagues us all. Sin plagues us all from Adam and Eve until the end of time. Sin will plague humanity. However, we have a remedy, you might say, in Jesus. And it was a super remedy, because as we sing at the, at the Easter vigil, oh, happy fault, unnecessary sin of Adam that won for us, so great a redeemer. So even though there, there was this tragedy, this tragedy of tragedies, the Lord, our God, wasn't going to let that have the last word. He wasn't going to let evil have the last word. So that's the good news. The good news is that we have hope. We have redemption. We have salvation. That's the good news that we have to keep believing in. And then we have emotional healing, psychological healing. Uh, That encompasses all kinds of things. Some people call it inner healing. right? And usually, as we're learning more and more, they're all related if you've got some health issue, you know, uh, well, it's, it's likely that it, it's attached to some kind of emotional or spiritual healing that you're also in need of. And there's a lot to say about this. But I think today, the one thing I wanted to focus on, focus on is the identity wound that we all have. Again, because of sin. It's like the original wound that we all have our identity. And so we pray for the healing of our identity in Christ. And our very first sacrament that we received is baptism. Baptism, in a sense, restores our identity, at least on a sacramental level. In the order of being, it makes us a child of God in the order of grace. So we had this fall in the order of nature. 
Adam and Eve, because of original sin, had now our nature is corrupt and our identity is, is deeply wounded. But God, with his grace, which is to say with his power, his presence, his love, his mercy, he comes in and he heals our identity. He restores it. And he even elevates it. That's why we sang, oh, happy fault. Oh, necessary sin that won for us so great a redeemer and so great a redemption. Because now we share in something that is even supernatural, which is to say above nature. Right? We hear all these things all the time, but it helps to really break it down and to understand what we've received. To better appreciate who we are better appreciate who we are now who we are now because of what jesus did for us so we all struggle with our identity we all ask that question who am i and we can't answer it for ourselves that's the conundrum as shakespeare would say that's the rub (laughs) we can't answer it for ourselves who am i We need God to answer it for us, but then we also need other people in the name of God, you might say, as his instruments to help us answer that, to reflect to us our goodness, our truth, our beauty. And that's where the biology comes in. Katie and I were having this conversation the other day. Like now more than ever, Science is affirming all of these spiritual realities. As, uh, what's her name? Caroline Brown? Uh, Leaf, Caroline Leaf. As Caroline Leaf likes to say, science is finally catching up with faith. With all of the wisdom that's in the Bible, science is finally catching up and affirming it in so many ways which is really fascinating if if you have a science background or if you're interested in that. So we need need people to look at us. Like a mother, you're all mothers, I'm assuming most of you, if not all of you. And the way that you looked at your child gave them life, literally. It spoke to them without saying a word, right? Because they couldn't understand anything you were saying for about the first, you know, year of their lives or more. So there's something that's pre-verbal, that's non-verbal. And it isn't, isn't it interesting that God chose to stay with us in a non-verbal way in the Blessed Sacrament. But you have to believe there's a whole lot happening here. There's a whole lot happening here that we don't see with the naked eye, but with the eyes of faith. Jesus is looking at us. He's gazing at us. And as you look at him with faith, he communicates to you his love, which is affirming. It's, uh, it's genuinely affirming, which is to say he's loving us just for who we are and not for what we do. Because sometimes we grow up then, I think we all do, to one degree or another. We grow up with a sense that we have to do something in order to prove ourselves. In order to win 
God's approval or our parents' approval or our friends' approval or our teacher's approval or father's approval. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus doesn't want us to live with that burden of having to earn his love or to win his approval. We don't have to prove anything to him because he made us. That's what he reminds us of. I am your God. I'm your creator. I'm your father, your good, good father, unlike any other earthly father. I am a father like no other. And so Jesus is revealing to us the love of the father through his humanity, through the blessed sacrament, in the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say this about baptism, but it's, it's a, again, it's a good thing for all of us to remember and to appreciate. That God the Father claimed us for himself through the Son in the Spirit. So you don't have to make yourself wanted. You don't have to make yourself desirable. God already desired you for himself. And he... <clears throat> And he claimed you for himself, through himself, in himself. It's the most Trinitarian action there is. And then all other love and friendship flows from that, from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It flows from there, and we're ultimately all going back there. And that's just a good thing to remember. As we live our lives, you know, they can be so hectic, so fast-paced, But moments like this are really precious because we slow down very intentionally because we could all be somewhere else today in the middle of the week. But we chose to be here, to be with the one who's always here, who just waits for us and who invites us to come to him. All of us who are, are laboring and are heavy laden, who are burdened, and he will give us rest. He wants to give us his rest, his peace. He wants to tell us who we are. Because if you think about it, so much of our running around has to do with our wanting to define ourselves or feeling like we have to define ourselves. Feeling like we have to prove ourselves. You know, I have to make my kids happy. I have to make my husband happy. I have to, you know, make my boss happy. Whoever. And Jesus is assuring us that we don't have to make him happy. We don't have to win his approval. He's already approved of us. <laughs> he already stamped you approved when you were baptized. <laughs> I like to say he even branded us, you know, when the priest and the parents and godparents made the sign of the cross. <clears throat> and the church even teaches that when we're baptized, we receive an indelible mark. A tattoo, a tattoo on your soul, if you will. <laughs> no. But we are literally marked by God and for God. And with God. So we've already been stamped, approved, wanted, desired, cherished. You've already been approved. 
And that can just really take away so much stress, so much anxiety. And when we come before him, he's so still. Not only does he not speak verbally, he doesn't move unless he is moved. And yet, he's moving the entire universe right from right here, you know. For those of you who have seen the shack, and God the Father is there in the kitchen, but just really kind of, or maybe on the porch at this point, just kind of kicking back. And the guy is there, like, complaining, you know. Aren't you doing anything? You know, why, why, how do you just, and she's like, well, God is like, well, if you only knew how much I'm doing right now. <laughs> if we only knew how much God is doing much he's doing for us and how much he's doing with us and in us. And I think it's moments like this too on retreat where we get to appreciate a little bit what God is doing. Some of you I know have taken up the the examine prayer. And it's not just an examination of conscience, but it's it's the examine prayer taught by St. Ignatius where you are invited to pause every day, maybe even twice a day for up to 15 minutes, just to ask God to help you be aware of what's happening. To ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to help you be aware. You know, so today we talk about mindfulness, you know, such a novelty, mindfulness. (laughs) Well, it's not so novel. We just give it new names, right? But it's ancient wisdom, again, wrapped up with modern language and applications and even, yes, scientific proof of how helpful it is to unplug these things or to turn them off, to even throw them away if you want, and to just be still. To be desensitized to all around you so that you can be sensitive to the Lord. But because we are so stimulated, it's easy to become desensitized to God and his movements. So when we do things like this, we're necessarily increasing our sensitivity to the Lord. Some of you I know uh, know about Clarkston Float. So I'm, I'm plugging Clarkston Float but it's, uh, it's uh, again, a modern phenomena, right? Because we're so overstimulated, but you literally lay in a pod that's full of very dense salt water, so you float for an hour in the darkness, still, quiet, and it helps to reset your brain, so to speak. So I do it once a month now. <laughs> You just lay still for an hour in the salt water and listen to nothing. You do nothing for an hour except float. So these are little ways, right, that we can all reset. Right? We all need that. We need it every day to become sensitive to the Lord. 
Because that's another thing that wounds us is when other people are insensitive to our needs and our desires. So the Lord can assure you in those times of prayer that he is sensitive to your needs, to your desires. And that brings healing. If you think about it, nobody gets wounded in isolation and nobody heals in isolation. We tend to wound each other, but by the grace of God, we can also heal each other. And it's just healing to be in a room like this. What does this say to you without saying anything? I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Who wants you to feel alone? The devil. The devil wants you to feel alone. What's one of his most effective tactics? Isolation. What did Adam and Eve do as soon as they sinned? They hid themselves. They isolated themselves. They separated themselves. And that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. He shames us. He isolates us. And he wants us to feel like nobody gets us. Nobody understands. And what does that drive us to? Despair. He just wants to get us all worked up. But Jesus wants to break through all of that. That's why he became a man. If you think about it, it's why he became a human being. To be with you. To be with you so that you wouldn't feel alone. So that we wouldn't feel isolated. So that we wouldn't feel hopeless. But through his blessed sacrament, I like to say he has prolonged his presence all throughout time. All throughout time. So what a gift we have. And again, when you come before him, he just wants you to be an open book. He knows. God already knows, right? We can't hide anything from him. He knows. So that's a a grace that we can all pray for. That's, again, something that facilitates healing is the openness, the sharing. That's, again, some of the hidden wisdom of confession. You just bear your soul. And another human being listens to you, hopefully listens attentively and carefully, (laughs) lovingly, caringly. And then in the name of God forgives you out loud. And you can just leave it all right there. You don't have to carry it with you. So these things are healing. You know, as we just reflect here together, you can see, wow, yeah. Perhaps I need more healing than I realized. <laughs> it's true of all of us. It's true for all of us. We don't realize how much we get beat up in this world of ours. Every once in a while we get shaken up, things happen, and we get certain wake-up calls, if you will. It could be a physical thing that wakes us up 
to a spiritual thing or vice versa. But there's, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of confidence. There's a lot of goodness here. And we tend to be very hard on ourselves, but Jesus doesn't want to be hard on us. He isn't hard on us. Especially when we come in a circumstance like this. He's going to be very gentle. It's the only time in the gospel where he said explicitly, learn from me. <laughs> learn from me, for I am gentle or meek and humble of heart. Meek and humble of heart. I'm not a harsh taskmaster. I'm not demanding that you win or earn my approval. So it's his presence then, his love, his Holy Spirit at work. Sometimes imperceptibly, for sure. You don't have to have some great external experience, visions or lights or sounds. (laughs) You don't need that. Sometimes God provides that, like in St. Paul's case. (laughs) But we don't necessarily have to have that happen. But again, I think if we're attentive, if we are sensitive to the movements of the Spirit, we do notice all kinds of things. Little God winks. They're happening all the time. And that's another good reason to pause every day or a couple times a day. How often was God winking at me today? How beautiful is that? He's just thinking about me all the time. He can't stop thinking about you, in fact. He's infatuated with you. He's obsessed with you, you could say. He's obsessed with you in a good way. (laughs) So as we receive that, which admittedly it's hard to receive sometimes. We're not usually really good at receiving Why is that? Well, because we learn, again, in a survival kind of way, not to expect to receive something when we looked for it and it it didn't come. When we asked for it and we were denied. So as my dad used to say, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. (laughs) So I'm not going to keep asking. I'm not going to keep looking if I get rejected, if I meet with indifference or or worse. So that's why we find it hard to receive, and we're not even looking to receive. But the Lord wants to assure you today and every day that He's got something for you, namely himself and his love, his affection. I have something for you. 
Take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. As you hear those words today, let's ask the Holy Spirit to pierce our hearts. Wow, God is doing this for me. You've heard those words. Some of you have heard those words thousands of times. You've probably all heard them thousands of times. This is for you. I'm doing this for you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Help me to receive that.